The second scripture reading for today will be the reading from the book of Isaiah. It will be chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It will be found on page 492 in the Bibles and the pews. Please listen for the word of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. The word of the Lord. When I was a young Jesuit, studying theology in Berkeley, California, a friend came to me one day and asked me for a favor. Dan, I know this is late notice, but I'm planning the diaconate ordination ceremony, and I need a piece of music set to the text of Isaiah chapter 6. He saw the look of shock on my face, knowing I was well aware that the ceremony was only three days away. I told him that I was sick with an awful case of the flu, and I didn't know if I could compose anything suitable in that short of time. He encouraged me, and I told him at the very least, I would try to complete something in time for the ordination. I had always loved the particular scripture passage, Isaiah 6, where God calls Isaiah to be a servant and messenger to the people. And Isaiah responds with both hesitation and doubt, but also with a humble willingness to surrender to God. If it was going to work, it would have to be God's power and grace making it happen. Much like Isaiah, I was not very sure that I could meet the request my friend had made, but I was willing to try. I remember sitting at my desk with a blank music score in front of me and asking God to be my strength. As I sat there praying for help, I remembered also the call of Samuel, where God came calling in the middle of the night and asked Samuel to do something beyond what he thought he was capable of. I worked for two days on the piece, and I remember being exhausted. I was making last-minute changes to the score as I walked it over to my friend who lived several blocks away. I remember being very unsure of myself, but hoping it would be what he wanted for the ordination. And it was okay. It was more than okay. From the very beginning, people loved the piece and clearly identified with the dialogue between God and us that is the core of the song. In the years following, so many people have spoken to me or written how they had their own experience of God calling in the night and being given the courage to respond. 
for me, the story of Here I Am, Lord, tells of the God who overshadows us, giving power to our stumbling words and the simple works of our hands, and making them into something that can be a grace for people. The power God gives is far beyond what we could have planned or created. As some of you may have guessed, that was not my story. That's actually the story of Dan Schutte, uh, who wrote Here I Am, Lord, in 1981. Once I made the connection that both of our first names was Dan, and I read this on his website, I knew I had to give it a shot. <laughs> the one thing that really jumps out with me with this story is he wrote it in a little over two days while sick. And that's one of my favorite hymns that I've ever heard in my life. It's amazing to me how the power of God can really come out of nowhere and work so quickly and so profoundly. I'll be continuing today the summer sermon series on hymns. I've tried to tell Joanne that that's basically a tongue twister to try to get us to say over and over, but I mean, summer sermon series, you can't really say that five times fast. And I'll be focusing today on the hymn, Here I Am, Lord. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? This is a rare hymn because it's not one where we sing about God. We're not saying God is holy, God is majestic but we're talking from God's perspective. I, the Lord, I have heard. The personality is present. There's a character. It's more than just a hollowed name. We're seeing some of the persona of God. And while singing this hymn, by some token, you kind of feel some of that heavenly power yourself. It's like an actor in a role in a play or in a movie or a TV show. While being in that role, we have some of that power, some of that ability, some of that holiness. At the same time, it kind of serves to remind us as what we're not, that we're having to play this role. We're having to go through these words to put on this face, to be something greater than ourselves. And it kind of reminds me of Job 38, to kind of show us how powerless we actually are. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Who determined its measurements or who stretched the line upon it? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on earth? I've always lived in the suburbs pretty much my entire life. But I used to live in an area just far enough out where nothing was really built up around it yet, where at night when you went outside, you could really see the stars. I'm talking like country out in the middle of nowhere type, you can see the stars. It was absolutely amazing. Whenever I first uh, moved out there, uh, I'd just gotten a dog, a little puppy. His, na his name's Sparky. Um, and I would take him outside at night, and I would just look up at the stars and just feel completely lost in awe in the majesty. It makes me feel so small to know there's so much else out there. My parents would get worried because i go out late at night and wouldn't come back for 30 or 40 minutes. But it was worth it. And it's kind of funny because at the same time, while it makes you feel so small, 
It's kind of reassuring, isn't it? To know that if you make a mistake, the galaxies will still live on. That if I tripped while walking up here, the planet would still spin. It's not all on our shoulders, is it? But while we know that we don't control the fate of the galaxies, we are still called by our majestic creator. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. The dialogue in the hymn continues in first person, but this is a role which for us requires a much thinner actor's veil. This paints a picture of human experience. For we know the story of Moses finding the burning bush. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, Here I am. We know of Gideon's doubt and uncertainty. Then the Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. He responded, But sir, how can I deliver Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. Jeremiah also felt unworthy after being called, saying, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. From the scripture reading this morning in Isaiah, we hear the rejection from Isaiah before he even heard the call. Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah did not feel worthy to be there, worthy to even see God, much less receive instruction. Now, they each had a logical reason to feel as if they were not the right person for the job. They didn't have five to seven years of relevant work experience. They only had three referrals, tops. Some of them might have been family. They weren't ready. When Jesus sent out the disciples in Luke, they were not ready. Who goes on an extended trip with no luggage, no money, nothing at all? Does anybody do that anymore? Did anyone ever do that? When I go somewhere, you can ask my wife. I always pack an extra shirt extra pair of shorts, pants in case it gets cold, and two pairs of socks. I have to have two extra pairs of socks. I hate wearing dirty socks. Now, this Luke passage is often used to demonstrate that God will provide, and it does do that. But I think there's also another message, a little bit of a deeper layer there, and one that's in line with each of these other call stories. They couldn't plan for everything they needed because they didn't know what they needed. They thought they had to be strong leaders, to be the holiest of people with top-notch public speaking skills. Perhaps the disciples thought they would need what one typically needs for a long journey, extra clothes, food, water, hopefully a toothbrush. But God says, no, you don't know what you need, but I do. Put down your resume and listen to me, what you don't already have, I will give you. For them, for us, it's new. It's different. It's scary. 
It's kind of like in the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when Indiana, played by Harrison Ford, is going through a series of obstacles to reach the Holy Grail. He comes upon a long chasm where he's exiting out of one like sheer cliff, cliff face, and there's just a long gap hundreds of feet down, and then he sees a doorway about 100 feet across. And this is the part where he has to pass the obstacle of the leap of faith. Closes his eyes, says a short prayer, and takes a step off the ledge. Falls a couple feet, but you see him land on something. And once he makes that leap of faith, the path is revealed before him. And he's able to see where he's supposed to go. I'm sure it was pretty scary to take that first blind step. Well, I guess he knew the script, but for us, it'd be scary to take that first blind step. Now, this all leads back to my favorite line in the entire hymn, the one that captures the human experience struggling to do good in this world. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. Not only do we think we don't have what we need to answer the call, we don't even know what we need. But it's okay, because our God knows, and our Creator will provide for us. Many churches today are struggling with their sense of call, trying to answer the question, what should we do to serve the community? And a lot of times it starts with, what are we good at? What do we already have? What do we think we need to be able to serve? The best way I heard it described was at a PCUSA conference about three or four months ago. You shouldn't start with, what, what do you already have? What do you think you need? But just look around and try to answer one simple question. What makes God cry? Looking in the community, what right now is making God cry? At your workplace, what makes God cry? At your school, at your home, in your neighborhood, What's making God cry? And when you see what needs to be fixed in the world, what needs help, what needs assistance, what you need, that will come from God. Now, we have all been called to serve God's people in a way we did not feel ready for. Perhaps it was being liturgist, maybe serving strangers a warm meal, maybe going to seminary. Right, Chris? We had to do it. Or perhaps even just joining a church. But don't be fooled by thinking that you aren't ready. That you don't have the relevant experience. For God has given you what you need. You have Christ's love and compassion. You have the Holy Spirit as a constant guide through thick and thin. You have the Lord of all who cares for each one of you so much. Christ leads the way. He laid the path for us to follow, welcoming and inviting each of us to join the family. All we have to do is answer the call. Here I am, Lord. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. Amen.